Hey, this is Anthony Russo from The Bible is Funny. First time talker, long time dinger. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> they pay you to say that? Really quickly, I listened to Lamentations today. And I'm just hoping that there's a soundbite as good as that Where Are the Turtles soundbite. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's there every day. It's there now every episode right before your title. <laughs> it's Where Are the Turtles for the title. <laughs> Nick gave me such a hard time. I thought it was so stupid. Nick Nick thinks the office is stupid. And I don't understand. Well, that's because we have this soundbite first. How you doing? How you doing? Soundbite is from Friends. Oh, yeah. You told so him he I'm won't biased. be able to hear the soundbite. Yeah, he can't hear the soundbite, so it kind of ruins it for us. It would be a great prank to play on me. It's like, about soundbites, and you're actually not even playing anything. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're definitely going to have to include us in the episode because it's good banter. But, Dingers, we have a very special episode, and I'm a little starstruck because I've been following this guy from the beginning of our Instagram experience together. He is Anthony Russo from the bible is funny if you've never heard any of his podcasts go on and check it out but make sure you go on his instagram or facebook because his memes are absolutely hilarious why don't you say hello to our listeners what's up dinger nation it's me <laughs> hashtag dinger nation is the first time for everything huh don't at him the, yeah <laughs> yeah right um nick are you gonna start the show yes i am so if this is the first time that you're listening, we start every single episode with fake news or real news, but our guest today is going to be on the chopping block, and he can use these guys, Mark and Ryan, as, uh, what do you call them, lifelines, mm -hmm. if he would like, uh, but I think Ryan's seeing the headline now, so he might be a little bit of a cheat. Either way, uh, we start the show with fake news or real Breaking news. Breaking news on Bible Dingers News Network. As always, I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark. Hey, -o. and we are Bible Dingers. And we are going to start the show by putting our friend Anthony Russo on the chopping block. Anthony, if you haven't heard, which you've told us you have, but let me just explain this to you. I give you a headline, and you decide whether it's fake news or real news. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Ooh, that went in and out. Are you ready? I don't, I'm not sure. I'm ready. Woo! I love your enthusiasm, baby. So, the headline is very simple. The protests come for Paw Patrol. Fake news or real news? <laughs> Paw Patrol. You have a kid, right, Anthony? That's, that's the end of the headline? That's the end. You, you have a kid, right? I think I saw that. I, I heard uh, your wife's name I is do. Rachel, right? And you talk to her all the time in between your episodes. But you do have a child, mm -hmm. right? I have two kids. Too. So you know Paw Patrol very well, right? I know I know Paw Patrol in and out. Me too. Apparently, the protests are coming for Paw Patrol. Is this fake news or real news? I actually think this is real news. Ah. I think this is real news. And I think it uh, involves rubble because I think rubble has a past that's into light. So uh. come on, fake. Come well, on, real news. I'll tell you one thing. It's not what you think. But it is real news. Wow. Wow. So yeah. I'm really upset right now because I didn't stump you. But let me explain. It was only a matter of time before the protests come for Paw Patrol. 
Paw Patrol is a children's cartoon about a squad of canine helpers. Squad. Squad. It is basically a pretense for placing household pets in a variety of cool trucks. The team includes Marshall, a firefighting Dalmatian, Rubble, which is Anthony's apparent favorite dog, a bulldog construction worker, and Chase, a German shepherd who is also a cop. In the world of Paw Patrol, Chase is drawn to be a very good boy who barks stuff like Chase is on the case and all in a police pup's day as he rescues kittens in a tricked out SUV. But here it is. Watch this. You ready for this? But last week, when the show's official Twitter account put out a bland call for black voices to be heard, commenters, commentators came after Chase. Euthanize the police dog, they said. Defund the Paw Patrol. Oh my gosh. All dogs go to heaven except the class traitors in the Paw Patrol. <laughs> So, this people on Twitter are nuts. As the protests against racist police violence enter their third week, the charges are mounting against Paw Patrol. They want it to be taken off air. Can you believe that? Yes, Twitter is absolutely insane. It's not just Twitter. Now, this is a real thing. Now, defund Paw Patrol makes a little bit of sense to me. Because I've always thought this is a very strange way to care for your community. You have this incredibly elaborate <laughs> system of machines to That's empower run by dogs. dogs. That you've to teach the dogs how to do all these things. I'm sure that costs a ton of money. I'm sure that these machines cost a lot of money. Now, defund Paw Patrol. I can. I've actually. I'm a huge supporter of because yeah. this seems like an egregious waste of money. And they I totally talk. agree with you. You know what? And Paul would agree with you too because he does tell us to beware of the dogs. And he was talking about Chase. He was talking about Chase and and whatever Rudolph and Banther. Whatever. What are the other names? <laughs> Zuma. I'm a Zuma guy myself. Zuma. Yeah, okay. Zuma. I don't know Zumba. What Zumba? Zuma is the water thing. I think. Zuma. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. How old are your kids, Anthony? One of them is about to be five nice. in a couple of weeks, and the other one is two, just turned two. Bro, we're living the same life right now. My oldest is going to be five, and my youngest just turned three. Well, that's not and the same life. It's the yeah, same dude, life. It's not the same. <laughs> just call me Anthony Russo right now because I'm living the same <laughs> life. All right. <laughs> gonna take some time and chill out to some music before we start the show yeah that was a that was a good song man uh, too bad Anthony couldn't hear it. You're gonna have to rehear the the episode. Um, anyway, today we are talking about Jonah, one of my favorite books. Is it your one of your favorite books? Nick? A, it is. I like it. I like the story of Jonah a lot. Um, I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some great reason to go. Yes, yeah, I like so it. So the like first it. part of the book, and I'm gonna remember this time. Where are the turtles? Is the turtle. Of the book. The title, and our boy Anthony's going to take over from here. <laughs> the title. The title of this book comes from the main character of the book, also named Jonah. <laughs> awesome. Jonah's name means dove. That's pretty this fly. Is something, awesome. This is something I sort I always, I don't know about you guys, I always kind of, I have questions about these things. Like, what it, 
don't know if you guys have ever done these, but like, what does your name mean? Somebody once was like, the name Anthony means prince. And I'm like, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know what, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, Anthony, my name is I, Ryan and Ryan means King. So you're my son, obviously. Right. Who decided these things? Who's like, who decided Ryan means King? Who decided Anthony means Prince? That's a great question. Those are things I question, but Jonah's name does really mean dove. <laughs> um, so you think Noah actually released Jonah off the ark? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and then Jonah came back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on, bro. As Jonah does. Jonah was the son of Amittai, which is 100% how you say that. Take that to the bank. Anthony, what does that name mean? Amittai means uh, bulldozer. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Uh, Greek. Greek for bulldozer. Um, The Septuagint and Latin Vulgate both give this book the same name. Uh, which is good. It's good when the when there's solidarity in the naming. So that's uh, that's an info on the title. Awesome. And then the next section we discuss the author. And there's some debate mm. over who the author is of this book. So the most common debate is whether it was Jonah himself or a prophet that lived shortly after the events occurred. There are arguments for both sides, and we're going to quickly go through those. So the arguments for a prophet shortly after the events are that the book is written entirely in third person. So, you know, unless he talks like The Rock, like, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Or, you know, unless he's talking like that, apparently it might not be him. Um, And then the other is the book is very critical of Jonah, which he would have trouble doing if he was writing it himself. And the next argument is the book does not mention anywhere who the author was. Many of the prophet books self-identify the main character as the author. But there are arguments that Jonah wrote this book. In many books of the Bible, the author wrote in third person. In, um, in Daniel, we discussed this point, that there are a lot of the books of the Bible that write in third person. It doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't write it. It was the style of the time. And we, we see it in the entire Pentateuch almost. Uh, the unique and intimate details of the story in Jonah seem like something that only Jonah could know. <laughs> Next, we discuss the date of writing. doesn't matter too much who wrote it. Either way, it was likely written around the same time frame. If it was a prophet that recorded the events shortly after they happened, he likely was told what happened from Jonah. So either way, this is Jonah's perspective. Also, 2 Kings 14 verse 25 says that Jonah lived during the time of Jeho- Jeroboam's <laughs> Jeroboam's. Jeroboam's. Hold on. Let's let's try that again. No, Jeroboam's, right? So (laughs) 2 Kings 14 verse 25 says that Jonah lived during the time of Jeroboam's reign. This was between 793 and 753 BC. So since Jonah prophesied about Israel's boundaries being extended, then it was likely written towards the beginning of Jeroboam's reign, since this happened toward the end of his reign. And that places the date of the writing most likely between 793 and 773 BC. Nice. Anthony, you want to you wanna hit us with the date of the event? Yes. There's a little debate on whether or not the events in Jonah are actually historical events, uh, which we're going to get into in a little bit. 
that's going to be handled by a member of the Dinger team that's a lot more apt to answer that tough of a question. But what I can say, the events likely happened a little before the time of writing. And the events likely happened somewhere between 793 and 773 B.C. Beautiful. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, so next we are going to get into the purpose of the book. The purpose, I believe the original purpose, at least of the book was to show Israel that God is gracious to forgive if there is repentance. And in the grander scheme, I think that this book shows all of us that he's a merciful and gracious God, both to the nation full of sinners and to the selfish person that does not desire God's goodness for that nation. He was merciful to both Nineveh and Jonah in this book. Um, So he's good to both the outright sinner and the self-righteous Pharisee. So I think we tend to be on, you know, a a lot of people tend to be on a spectrum. Either their focus is on people who are obvious outright sinners and they condemn those people, or people just condemn Pharisees and self-righteous people. But this book teaches us that God has grace and he loves both of those sinners. God is more nuanced. Correct. So, yeah, like we mentioned, there's a little bit of a debate on the historicity of the book. And one of the the biggest challenges for people is deciding whether or not the book actually has historical events in it or if it's supposed to be taken as allegory. Um so I wanted to go through real quick and just give some of the facts that are supporting both points of view. For the allegorical point of view, uh, some of the things they say is that it seems unlikely that a man could physically be swallowed by a big fish and left in there for days only to be spit out later. Um, a lot of people think that that's impossible, including myself. I think that that's most, mostly impossible. But it, it happened in uh, VeggieTales. <clears throat> well, that is true. Um, <laughs> did, you, did you did you ever wonder what uh, Jonah heard while he was inside the whale? Never, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Never at all. Poor oh, Anthony. Man. He has no idea. Anthony, I wish, <laughs> I wish you could hear this, bro. This is the greatest sound that we've ever had in the history of the show. <laughs> It felt like a classic. I caught the vibe. <laughs> From afar. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, so it seems unlikely that a man could physically be swallowed by a big fish and stuck in there for three days. People, and by people I mean scientists, would say that uh, you would suffocate within the first few minutes of being in a fish. So uh, that's why some people say that it's allegorical. In Jonah 3, chapter chapter 3, verse 3, this is another point that the allegory squad would make, is that in Jonah 3, 3, we're given the size of Nineveh, and in Jonah 4, 11, it gives us the population. And both of these numbers given to us actually seem a little exaggerated. Um, so for size, it says that Jonah spent three days walking across the city of Nineveh, But we know now, because of archaeology, that the city was only about two miles long, which is hardly a three-day journey on foot. Unless he was a slow walker. I think, I don't know, I think I could probably walk two miles in less than three days, but I don't know. He might have been crawling. 
Maybe. <laughs> but that's an argument that it's not historical, that it's just allegory. Another point is that it seems unlikely that the plant in Jonah 4 could have actually grown overnight to a point where he could sit under it and receive shade from it. And then another point that the allegory squad would say is that Jonah's name means dove, as Anthony so graciously told us, and that was the national symbol for Israel. So it would kind of be like hearing a story in America about some guy named Eagle. And the story has a lot of unbelievable facts and it points to a lot of things that involve America. So that's kind of how a Jewish person could take it in that day. If they heard a story about some guy named Dove, they could, they could say that Dove represents Israel in the story. So that's the point that most people who believe that Jonah is allegory would make. Now I want to make some counterpoints for people who think that the book is historical and the view that this story is allegory mostly comes from skepticism about supernatural occurrences. Um, however, if God could create the entire universe, which we have ample evidence for, if he could raise himself from the dead, which we also have ample evidence for, if he could destroy an entire city with fire, which we have ample evidence for, then it doesn't seem unlikely that he could cause a man to be swallowed by a fish or cause a plant to grow quickly. So if you compare it to the rest of the Bible, even though these miracles seem, shall I say, miraculous, it doesn't seem that miraculous compared to the creation of the entire universe. I feel like if he has the power to do that, he probably has the power to grow a plant overnight. The second point that I want to make is that skeptics who mention the exaggerated size and population of Nineveh discount the surrounding areas. So Jonah spoke in all the surrounding towns of Nineveh. You could say he prophesied to the Nineveh metro area, kind of like how we talk about metro areas now. New York's metro area is New Jersey and Connecticut San Francisco metro area is like Oakland and San Jose, I think, is by San Francisco. Um, anyways, that's that's what Jonah was doing with Nineveh. It's not that he just went to Nineveh city proper. He also spoke to the towns and villages that surrounded Nineveh, and that could easily take three days to hit all the towns while you're also stopping and preaching for however long he did that. So that doesn't seem exaggerated when you take that into account. Also, Jesus referred to Jonah in Matthew 12, 41 and Luke eleven twenty nine through 32 in his preaching as something that historically happened. Um, another point is that Jesus typified himself to Jonah. If you don't know what that means, Jesus... The, <laughs> Typology is something in the Bible where something points to Jesus or Jesus says that that he is like this other thing in the Bible. So, for instance, he said that he is greater than Jonah. So he likened Jonah to himself speaking about his resurrection. So he was basically saying that Jonah went into the belly of the fish for three days and then came out, was spit up on the shore 
and Jesus was calling himself the greater Jonah and speaking about when he was going to die for three days and then come back to life. So if Jonah didn't literally spend three days in the whale and then get spit out, did Jesus literally spend three days in the tomb and rise again? Because it seems like he was typifying history with history. Um, so it's not a rock solid argument, but I think it's an important point to make. Is that like the Bible is funny Instagram is the greater Bible dingers Instagram? Exactly. <laughs> I was just wondering if also maybe there was some bird uh, going on there too. Like he's the greater dove. He's, he's a bird that's <laughs> oh, stronger than go. the dove. That's Ooh. it. So in that case, Jesus is the eagle. That's it. Oh. There you go. Jesus He's a bigger America. Dove. <laughs> yeah. No. That's awesome. <clears throat> also, while I was researching for this episode, I wanted to look to see if there's accounts of people getting swallowed by whales. And there actually is. There's a report on the Divers Alert Network that I found, which is like a forum for open water divers. And oh, Dan. Uh, yeah, and there's there's a diver mentioned who was swallowed and then spit back out by a whale shark. And you can actually find the diver talking about the experience on YouTube. That's sick. Yeah, so it's not like it's this crazy thing. It just happened like a year or two ago. That's awesome. Wow. Um, Probably not awesome for him. But yeah. Probably. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, as long as you survived it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, there's an article on the Smithsonian website noting that a sperm whale can most definitely swallow a human whole, as they swallow things much larger than humans all the time, like giant squids and all kinds of stuff like that. And what's interesting is these two things, the whale shark and the sperm whale, they both lived in that area where Jonah would have gotten swallowed by a fish so it could very well have been one of those two fish so there you go that's the allegorical versus historical arguments cool that's awesome thanks now anthony this is uh everybody's favorite part of the show and that is fun facts but we have to open it up with a drum roll look at you I like how you're warning him of the soundbite so he doesn't say anything. <laughs> but now we're saying it. Yeah, but now we're talking over the soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, go ahead, bro. Fun facts, everyone. Fun fact number one. Uh, Jonah was a contemporary of Amos, made famous for his chocolate chip cookies, and Hosea. How you doing? It's a fun fact. There you go. Amos and Hosea, his contemporary. That's the famous Fun fact Amos. number two. Oh, sorry. I assume. <laughs> Can you imagine the audacity, by the way, to, to call yourself like the famous Amos? <laughs> like he, there was another Amos in his town that he was like, this joker. No, I am the famous Amos. That's how you'll refer to me. If you have a name of Amos, the, you're always the famous Amos, though, because you're the only by, Amos. Yeah. Well, by I'm thinking by default in this town, some guy had to become the regular Amos. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just 
vanilla version of Amos, not the famous one. <laughs> Fun fact number two, in John 7.52, the Pharisees said that no prophet has arisen out of Galilee, but they were wrong because Jonah was a Galilean. Oh. Checkmate, Pharisees. <laughs> Look at you. There you go. That's Here's such- the thing about that verse. Too. I love. I looked it up because I saw. I saw you guys made a note, and I love this because they the Pharisees even go a step further, and they're like, "Read the scripture. There's no prophet that's ever come out of Galilee." Like they like double down on it, which it reminded me of when I'm on the couch watching a show or something with my wife, and I see an actor or an actress, and I'm like, "That's that one from that show. They were in that show. I know that's them." And she's always like, "No, that's not them." That's not them. And I'm like, yes, it is. Look it up. <laughs> so it's not them. <laughs> always wrong. I'm always wrong on that game. That's so, so funny. Yep. Check me. I feel the Pharisees on this one. <laughs> check the records. No prophets ever come out of Galilee. Fun fact number three. This is unverified. The Jewish tradition says that Jonah was the son of the widow of Zarephath whom Elijah raised from the dead from first Kings 17 verses eight to 24. Is, is that the right pronunciation? It could be. It's all open to interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> I would have said Zarephath, but I could be wrong for the word raised. I am confident that that was the proper uh, pronunciation. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm not going to no, be confident. No. Fun fact number four, Jonah was one of only four prophets that was mentioned by Jesus, and he was the only prophet that Jesus typified himself to. The other three were Elijah, Elisha, and Isaiah. I would have said typified wrong, too, if my man hadn't uh, been the first one to tackle that word, so thank you. Anthony, I'm a little upset that you forgot my name is Ryan, but that's okay. I'll move on from it. <laughs> my uh, cover of calling you my man did not work for half a second. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. It happens all the time. I'm very forgetful. Not for half a second. <laughs> I do know your name means king, though. There you go. That's you it. can call him king That's from all now you on. need to know. The king dinger. That's what they call him. <laughs> there you go. That's what my wife calls me. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact number five, Jonah is the only minor prophet book that is historical narrative genre. All the rest are prophetic genre. Are you doing? Sick. Sick. Oh. Oh. (laughs) All right, next up. So in case you guys, hold on, let me, let me tell them about it. In case, in case you guys don't know about the Bible is funny. What he does is he searches books for funny verses and then he reads them out loud, and of course he has a connecting lesson with them. So he's he's volunteered to come on our show, and we love him for that. But we wanted you, we wanted to give you a little taste as to what he does personally. So here we here we go. Here we go, Anthony. Be funny, Anthony. Be funny <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I'm adding on to fun facts, and I jotted down some fun verses. I got two for you guys today. Um, and what I do, it was very well said. What I do in the Bible is funny is I like to take a verse 
and kind of like talk about the picture and the what what it elicits for me. So Jonah one ten was the verse first one that jumped out at me, and I like this because it's like the uh, the storm is starting to hit the boat, and the verse is this terrified them, and they asked, "What have you done?" And then in parentheses says they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And why I think that's funny is I'm imagining everybody like getting on this boat and getting ready to go on their trip. <laughs> and they start having these conversations like, oh, man, what what brought you on the boat today? And someone's like, oh, I'm visiting my niece. She's graduating from high school. Like, oh, it's so cool, man. That's awesome. You're going to be there for the graduation. Like, oh, I'm traveling on business. Oh, cool. That's great. Hey, Jonah, what are you what are you on the boat for? Oh, I'm running away from God. <laughs> <laughs> like this was already brought up previously. This already came up. This is what I think is so funny. This was right. mentioned like cat before the panic happened. They they knew because he had already told them. So I'm just wondering. The follow up question's got to be like, oh, you're running away from uh, God. Okay, cool. Can your your God doesn't go on water or something? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> no. No, I think I I believe my God made all the water. Oh, okay. So, like, what part of this plan makes sense to you, Jonah? Because I got to tell you, <laughs> none of it adds up to me. Very true, bro. Very That's true. So You're funny. running away from God by getting out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, man. No, do your thing. I'll see you at the uh, buffet. <laughs> and it turns it's out Jonah cool was the buffet. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> uh, so that was my favorite. That was my verse number one I liked. Verse number two uh, is Jonah 4, chapter 4, verse 9. Uh, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. <laughs> Jonah 4, 9, I absolutely love. This is for me... Um, we talked a little bit about having kids earlier. Like this is such a moment that a parent knows when your kid is like, like melting down, freaking out. And you're like, don't you feel like this is a little bit of an overreaction? And the kid's just like, no, like totally <laughs> immune to reason at this point. That's so funny. My two year old especially does this, like just throws himself on the ground. It's like a legendary size tantrum. And that's what I hear in Jonah in that particular book. Is it, because it's God saying to Jonah. So you got to, I mean, as a kid, you know the answer to the question when you get asked. It's pretty rhetorical at like, that is, point, right? Yeah. <laughs> is it, is this, the, are you doing a good thing right now? And Jonah to respond with like, it is. <laughs> it is right for me to be angry about this. Thanks for asking. I'm God. sunburnt, God. I'm sunburnt, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> That's so. Thank funny. you for asking if I'm if I'm responding in an appropriate way, and I've assessed the situation, and yes, I am responding yeah, in an right. appropriate way. <laughs> That's awesome, I did man. the math, and this is exactly how I should be responding. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, if you like what you hear, make sure you go and check him out on Instagram at the Bible is funny. Everything he does is as funny as that. So, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive into. I don't know why it sounded like what I was you, gonna say goodbye to him, right? So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't understand what's happening. Are you yeah. cutting him off right now? No, it sounded like I was gonna say goodbye, but I wasn't. I promise. <laughs> Premature goodbye. That's not your email, right? B no, that's a hundred percent me. Yeah, I was accidentally FaceTiming you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, that and was you? you? Just totally, you just totally put my like middle school email that I still have on blast <laughs> for the whole internet to hear. <laughs> I don't know why you had to do me like that. Yeah. Nick has tried to kick me Yo. off this show. Are you XXXX at AOL.com, bro? <laughs> Yo, Anthony's about to warn you. <laughs> Literally tried to kick me off the show and then publicly shame me for my Yahoo email address within like a 45 second span. I'm so oh, sorry. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> we'll bleep it out. <laughs> Dingers, I'm glad you're getting to see what really happens behind, behind the scenes of this show. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into the outline of the book. It is broken up into two chapters, not two chapters. It is broken up into two sections. Um, the first section is only two chapters, though, chapters one and two. And that is basically the disobedience of Jonah. And it starts here. I mean, most of you guys know the story, but we're going to go ahead and run through it real quick anyway, if you don't. It starts in verses one through three with God telling Jonah to go warn Nineveh of the con- of the coming judgment. And Jonah tried to, quote, flee the presence of the Lord, unquote by running to Joppa. And from Joppa, he was going to take a ship to Tarshish. Um, Following (laughs) that, there was a big storm that came upon the ship, and Jonah went and hid down inside the ship to go to sleep since everyone on the ship was terrified and he didn't want to be found out. And then in verses 7 through 10, we see Jonah's failure to fear God And basically, this is where Jonah was unbothered by the storm and totally unwilling to take responsibility for the storm. So what the sailors did on the boat is they ended up casting lots, which is kind of similar to like rolling dice or drawing straws, but it had spiritual connotations back in that day. They ended up casting lots and the blame got placed on Jonah. They asked who he is. And he said, I am Jonah and I fear the Lord, which I think is funny because he's like running from God and he's not fearing God, I think. But he said, I am Jonah and I fear the Lord. And then after that, they asked Jonah what they should do to stop the storm. And Jonah said to them to throw him in the sea. But they were actually good guys because they tried to get back to land first. They didn't immediately be like, okay, and then just toss him overboard. Uh, They tried to row back to land, but it wasn't working because the storm was getting more and more intense. So they did go ahead and throw him into the sea. And the storm stopped, and the men feared God, offered a sacrifice, and then they made vows to God. So these sailors do come across as generally good guys. You say, do you think they're good guys, or do you think like that plan didn't sound like it made a lot of sense to them? <laughs> like I imagine you're you're on this boat, you're in this huge storm, and this guy comes up and he's like, "Hold on, I have an idea. Throw me off the side." And they're like, <laughs> "Okay, we're gonna go ahead and keep rowing, uh, crazy man." But, Can we um, wait till we get to land first, please? Right? <laughs> this, is, this is not the best idea you've ever had. I don't know how that's gonna help any thing about this situation <laughs> that could be it could be either one i'm not sure um 
Either way, after after he got thrown off the ship, he got swallowed by a big fish, is what the Bible says, and he is in the belly for three days and three nights. He And he prayed to God while in the fish, the Bible also notes. And then in chapter 2, verses 2 through 9, it said that Jonah basically prayed a prayer of praise saying that God is his deliverer. So I guess he's here believing that God is his deliverer in faith and praising him literally in the storm. And then shout beca- out casting crowns. Shout out casting crowns. And then, beca- sermon. <laughs> and then because of that in verse 10, the Lord caused the fish to spit Jonah up on dry land. There we go. And now we are at uh, chapters three and four, which uh, is the obedience of the prophet. We see Jonah's proclamation to the Ninevites in verses one through four of chapter three that basically says that in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. So then the Ninevites repent in chapter three, verses five through 10. They called for a fast. They covered themselves in sackcloth. Even the king removed his robe and sat in ashes. And we see sackcloth being used as a sign of submission in First Kings, and grief in Second Kings. Um, so it's it's something common that people do when they're in grief or as a sign of submission. Um, so because of their sign of repentance, God had mercy on them and decided not to do it. Um, but Jonah was displeased at, uh, <clears throat> at God's mercy. Excuse me. And Jonah was displeased at God's mercy in the beginning of chapter 4. He was upset about God's mercy on them. And basically, God rebuked him for it and for his attitude at the end of chapter 4. God provided a shaded plant. We, talk, we spoke about this before, where Jonah decided to relax. And he waited to see what would happen. But while he was sleeping, God sent a worm that ate the plant, and the sun beat down on Jonah to the point where he was faint. Jonah was so upset he wanted to die. This was like anxiety 101, right? He didn't get his way, and God asked him, should you be mad at a at a plant that died that you had nothing to do with putting it there to begin with? And his question was a perfect segue into the final point of the book, and that is God's compassion for those under his judgment. And we see that in chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Jonah got mad that a plant died, but he was furious that God had mercy on the 120,000 people of Nineveh, and his priorities were all messed up. And I think you hinted at that number, right? You said that that uh, in the beginning of the episode, you had said that it, it hints at the overall yes, people. Yes, yep. So it could be that it's an exaggeration, or it could be that it was actual... Like the towns and stuff that yeah. surrounded it, yeah. Yeah. So, but regardless, that's what it says, and his priorities, priorities were all messed up. That's pretty much how it all wraps up. So that's the end of Jonah. Can you believe Jonah, he was furious that the judgment didn't come to Nineveh. Yeah. And like, yet you would be mad at a plant, right? Well, but it's like, don't you want people to be saved? Like, I don't know. Well, that's what it says at the end. Like, that's God's point in all of this. And this is exactly why Anthony chose it as a funny verse, because it's really weird and ironic, Temper right? tantrum. Yeah, it's kind of sad that that's how the book ends, too. There's no, there's no change of heart or anything like that. It's just, he's mad. He's mm-hmm. big mad. So that's that's how it wraps up, and it saddens me 
But that's pretty much the end of our episode on the book of Jonah and the end of our episode with our friend Anthony from The Bible is Funny. We sure you hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know more about our friend Anthony, make sure you do a search on Instagram or Facebook for The Bible is Funny. You could also find him on any of your favorite podcast platforms using the same search name at The Bible is Funny. Anthony, you want to say anything before you head out? I want to say thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And I'm a card-carrying member of Dinger Nation. And I will be from now till glory comes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, praise God. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, but after you check him out, make sure you go on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and search for at Bible Dingers across the board. And while you're there, just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Hit subscribe, hit like, hit follow, and most importantly, ding on. Bible diggers. Stay on point. I've been trying to see my voice, but y'all gay. Me no choice. The world gone mad. Can't ignore this choice. Look at these people found dead in the streets. I got some partners that hate the police. Me, I'm just trying to hold on to my peace because I'm liable to lose it and go get the peace. I need a reason. I need a season. Feel it with Jesus. I'm just grieving. Mm. Baby, like-